Section 8 of Vagabond Adventures. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Vagabond Adventures by Ralph Keeler. Book 1 Among Wharves and Cabins. Chapter 8 Taken Prisoner. Arising refreshed, I sallied forth early on the wharf to amuse myself. In the course of an hour, it occurred to me suddenly, out of no more previous thought or care about the matter than I had had the night before on the subject of a lodging, that I had had no breakfast, and could not say exactly where I was going to get any. The good-natured face of my late bedfellow again suggested itself to my mind, and I returned to the sand-scow. There he was in the little coop of a cabin, just partaking of his morning meal, which consisted of a small baker's loaf and a teacup of molasses. Still humoring my scruples as to direct begging, I gave him to understand affirmatively that I did not know where to get my breakfast. Without uttering a word, the good fellow broke his loaf in two and gave me half. In fact, I cannot recollect that he ever asked me any questions. If he did, they were of such a kindly nature as not in any way to suggest the ignominious close of my free career by capture, and that is why I suppose I have forgotten them. We dipped our bread by turns into the teacup of molasses very amicably, and took alternate draughts of the pure river water from the same tin dipper. Even now as I write I can see again the strange light in his honest eyes, just behind the surprise with which they regarded me when, our simple meal over, I drew slowly from my pocket my five copper cents, and placed them in his hand. Of course he would not take them. It was, no doubt, because they were my entire wealth that I straightway received the impression that he thought them too much for his somewhat meager hotel accommodations. And so I recalled to his memory that he had also loaned me his small boat the afternoon before. "'Never mind, never mind,' he said. "'Put your money away.' You can take the small boat again if you want to." These were his exact words, and there was more true feeling in the way he said them than would go to make up many a longer speech I have since heard in the pathos of melodrama, where the hero has magnanimously refused vast estates and lacks of rupees. If the reader will excuse me, the parenthesis, I should like to be allowed to say right here, God bless that young fellow, or middle-aged fellow now, wherever he is. Whether a sudden apprehension of future and dire exigencies, or a gleam of my usual delight in small boats, or both together, flashed across my mind at that moment, I am not now prepared to state. But I remember I did put my money away, and climbing down again into the little yawl, amused myself by imperiling my life once more in the swift current. This time, however, I ventured merely on short coasting voyages around the docks. At least I had not yet come to a decision about the feasibility of taking in something foreign in my way, being in the very act of casting a pair of longing eyes at the Canadian shore, when I was hailed by my friend of the sand scow, and requested to bring the boat to land. A favorable breeze had sprung up, and the scow, now discharged of her sand, took her departure for a new load. I stood on the wharf and waved her adieu, and that was the last I ever saw of her, 
or of the noble fellow who united in his own person her captain mates and crew i may have felt a little more alone in the world now for i remember i did not go back to my jolly playfellows the white fish barrels but boarded the divers steamboats instead in quest of work i received the same prompt answer from all they did not want me as will be supposed my one suit of clothes was by this time beginning to show marks of the service it had done among the greasy platters of pantries and cabins this fact probably was the greatest barrier to my success and the cause too of most of the rough language i received in answer to my applications toward night i became desperately hungry for it will be remembered my last warm meal was the dinner of the day before eaten upon the little steamer arrow on the way from toledo weary with repeated refusals from steward after steward i went boldly at last on board of the steamer pacific and inquired for the captain it was straightway demanded of me what such a beggar as i wanted of the captain i resented the term beggar immediately i proposed to work for what i got i had money if it came to that in proof of which i jingled defiantly the five pennies in my pocket no i was no beggar but i must see the captain carrying my point finally i was led to the room of the commander whom i found to be a short red-faced man with a voice like a nor'wester he was leaning back on a camp-chair with his feet in a berth and smoking his after-supper cigar to his gruff what do you want with me i replied meekly that i desired to wash dishes or do anything for something to eat that i had had nothing but a few crackers and some bread and molasses in thirty-six hours and that i had applied to his steward that afternoon and had been refused and that i was forced finally to come to him hungry and wanting work what's your name demanded the captain and who are you and where do you come from i answered the first part of his question but he noticed i hesitated after that he gave me laconically to understand that i must tell him who i was or starve for all of him i was forced to comply that is saying nothing about buffalo i mentioned my uncle the shipowner in toledo this was a fatal mistake as i learned very soon to my sorrow the captain's eye became suddenly and maliciously bright and his face redder than ever for as many as ten awful seconds he mangled his cigar fiercely and silently between his teeth then there proceeded from his mouth an addition to the smoke he had swallowed in his wrath a terrible volley of oaths and curses, of which my uncle's heart and eyes were the objects this captain as came to my knowledge afterward had been discharged from the employ of my uncle for some shortcoming or other and he now proposed it seems to take his revenge he sent hastily for one of the cabin waiters and ordered him in my hearing to take me to a stateroom give me a light supper and then lock me in i'm going said the captain and how well i remember his words i'm going to take him to the house of vagrancy in the morning and then write to that old villain his uncle to come and take him out the captain furthermore told the waiter to bear a hand and keep me safe till he should call for me the next morning he always thought and now he was sure he would get even with that uncle of mine whose pride he was going to take down and i was borne away through another deluge of the captain's oaths of course the thought was very wrong 
comprehending as it did many innocent and well-meaning people but it seemed to me then in that brief moment of despair that all my troubles sprang from the fact that i was so unfortunate as to have wealthy relatives they were the first and last cause of all my grief the earth i felt sure was not broad enough to escape them in among the peach and plum trees of conneaut or in the jungle of the crowded shipping at detroit the far-reaching fate was upon me though my small body was disguised in rags still my own hunger wrought and spoke in the interests of those from whom it appeared hopeless to flee and more on their account than mine i was now on my way to that place of unknown terror the house of vagrancy the captain's room was on the main deck and the stateroom to which i was to be conducted was on the deck above i was so terrified or so small that my jailer the waiter thought it safe as well as more convenient to release his hold of my collar and allow me to precede him up the stairs now there was another companionway on the opposite side of the steamer corresponding to that up which we were to go and as soon as we had attained the middle of the upper cabin i sprang out of reach of my conductor and down the opposite stairs at about three jumps i fled to the shore and up the docks with all the speed that my deathly terror lent me i could hear my pursuer after me but it was already dark and i could hardly have seen him if i had dared to look around i succeeded in reaching one of the vast piles of coal which the good people of detroit will remember as standing formerly on the wharf of the michigan central steamers here i concealed myself it was probably a half hour before my jailer gave up the search but it seemed four hours at least to me then twice he passed very near my hiding-place and i recollect i was afraid lest he should hear the noise of my heartbeats they sounded so terribly loud in my frightened ears i heard him at last returning to the steamer as i had reason to think for lights and people to aid him then i stole away noiselessly up toward the town keeping a large coal-pile studiously between me and the place where my pursuer had disappeared until turning a corner i took a side street which led me as i supposed into the heart of the city what therefore was my horror when after walking for about ten minutes in this and other crooked thoroughfares i again found myself suddenly on the lower end of the wharf where lay the steamer pacific and her dreadful captain once more i took to my heels and this time succeeded in finding a street which led me without further mishap into one of the avenues End of chapter eight taken prisoner